Hey guys, you're listening to episode 45 of the Finish Line Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today we're talking to Josh Newell, Executive Director of the Jesus Film Project, a ministry of crew. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Keelan and I'm here with my co-host and brother Cody. Today we got to chat with Josh Newell, Executive Director of the Jesus Film Project. Josh has worked with Jesus Film for over 20 years and has traveled all over the world, collaborating with other ministries to translate the Jesus Film into over 2,000 languages and to establish churches in the places where the film is shown. Through his work, Josh has developed a very high-level perspective on what's going on in the church globally to bring the gospel to all people and nations. Stay tuned to hear all he had to share. Before we get started, you know this podcast has grown almost exclusively by word of mouth. For those of you who have helped us get the message out there by sending a link to a friend or sharing on social media, we just want to give you a big thanks. It really makes an impact. If you think this or any of our other conversations are thought-provoking or inspiring, take a second to share it with somebody who might need to hear it. We have been blown away at how God has used some of these stories to make a radical impact in the world of generosity and missions, and you very well may be a link in that chain. All right, with that, let's get to the interview. We're here with Josh Newell tonight. Thanks so much for joining us, Josh. We're excited to have you here. Yeah, good to be with you guys. So I'm hoping you can just get us started telling us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, so I work and serve with Jesus Film Project and have been on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. So Jesus Film is the ministry of crew, Campus Crusade for Christ. And I've been doing that since I graduated from college in 1998. Yeah, tell us a little bit about how you found Christ and eventually how you came to crew in the first place. Yeah, for sure. My parents had three boys. I'm the oldest. I grew up in the church as a Southern Baptist, and so I was at church on Sunday, Sunday night, Saturday, Wednesday night, all the things. I grew up with a really rich tradition and deep understanding that Jesus was my Savior. And vacation Bible school at a really young age, I gave my life to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell. It took me a long time to really understand what it meant to be under Jesus's Lordship, and it really didn't click until I was a college and a senior at Indiana University. And at that point, as a senior, I began to get involved with a group called Campus Crusade for Christ. It's known as Crew now. And some friends of mine invited me to go to a Christmas conference to hear different speakers challenge us in our faith and grow us in, in kind of discipleship around the Great Commission. And not sure I really wanted to go. <laughs> to be honest with you, because I had my life charted out. I really wanted to be in broadcast journalism. Specifically, I wanted to be in the sports world. I had my audition tapes getting ready to be mailed off to ESPN and being part of the Big Ten school. It was really fun to be in that sports world. And so I had my track and my plan. And going to that Christmas conference, I knew that God was going to kind of mess with that. It's kind of interesting how I had that sense. And sure enough, I go there and like speaker after speaker is talking about the Great Commission. And I could feel my spirit start to turn a little bit, but it wasn't until I heard one particular guy whose name was Paul Eshelman talk about the Jesus Film Project. And then that's when the Lord hit me like a hammer 
And all dreams of ESPN kind of went out the window at that point as I heard story after story about how God was using this kind of <laughs> ancient movie at that point. I think and that was in 1998. So the movie had been <laughs> around for, you know, almost 20 years. And I thought, how can this movie that is made up of British actors and is so old, how can that have any effect in bringing people to Jesus? But of course, sure enough, God works in these incredible ways. And when his hand is on a ministry or on a project, then it really does kind of defy human logic. So I think what struck me was hearing about people who had never heard about Jesus before have a clear understanding about who Jesus was because of this movie that's based on the gospel of Luke and available in so many heart languages. At that moment, I thought, okay, Lord, this is clearly something that you're stirring in my spirit to be a part of. And I couldn't wait to kind of track down Paul Eshelman after the session and say, what do I got to do to be a part of this? Cause I really want to, you know, join into that effort. So I actually thought I could do that for a year and do my time. <laughs> that was 23 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny how that works sometimes. So we've heard Paul Eshelman's name, I think, multiple times on the podcast in the past. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of Jesus Films history, how it was founded and, you know, some of the time leading up to what you guys are doing today. Yeah. So the Jesus Film was produced in 1979. It was a co-production between Warner Brothers and Campus Crusade for Christ. And it was this joint venture that Paul Eshelman found himself at the intersection of because he was a staff member of crew and Dr. Bright, who founded Crew, had put him in charge of seeing this movie kind of come to life. And it was Dr. Bright's grand vision ever since he founded Campus Crusade for Christ to have a movie about Jesus that could go all over the world. And Paul likes to tell this story of how he was leading the U.S. ministry at the time and had gathered his team together, his group of leaders, and Dr. Bright giving him a call one day and saying, hey, you're going to be part of this Jesus film. And Paul said, well, I'm busy doing these other things. And then Bill said, this is not a request. This is what you will be doing. So he, had, he basically resigned his kind of like high level job to work on this movie that everybody at the time was saying, this is going to go nowhere. This isn't one of those weird pet projects that, I mean, whoever heard of a movie about Jesus having any like real effect on the lives of people spiritually. But he did. And they worked out a deal where Warner Brothers cut the rights to do all the distribution in the United States. And Campus Crusade got to do all the rural areas of the world and kind of the international distribution. That worked out pretty great because I guess it was a commercial flop. I wasn't around at that time, but <laughs> it didn't really go anywhere in the theaters that you could well imagine. And But it did start to take off all around the world as soon as it started to be translated into different languages. And Within 10 years, it was the most translated and most watched movie in the world. It had been seen in almost every country on earth. Wow. By the time that I heard about it, again, 20 years later, it had been translated into 475 languages. And already, again, it's world record. Now it's up to 2,000. And the way that people have used it ever since the beginning was to take the movie and whatever equipment that they had in the late 70s, early 80s, it was this reel-to-reel. You can picture <laughs> these, like this really old movie. It's like, yeah, clickety-clack, click, clack, 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 clack. <laughs> and you would set this thing up, and it was like hundreds of pounds of equipment. I can't even 
like imagine schlepping that stuff around these days, but you <laughs> needed a generator. You needed to have <laughs> the tens of the actual film itself. And then you have this projector and a big screen, but the power was when the sun would go down in a village somewhere and the lights would kind of come on and the film would start to play and thousands of people would come around and watch the story of Jesus unfold on film and hear Jesus more or less say, I love you in their own language and having a really clear understanding of who Jesus is, what his claims were and what that meant for them and us, I think is some of the unique things that are in that blender that makes the Jesus film. So quote unquote successful, clearly God's hand is on it. That's probably the first and foremost thing. Well, Josh, that's a pretty incredible story. I'm interested to hear as God kind of derailed your ESPN plans and plugged you into Jesus film. How did you get directly involved with Jesus film? What were you doing at that time? And then what is Jesus film doing now? And what does your role look like as executive director? Yeah, that's really good question. So I joined the ministry in 98, right out of college. And my first role within the ministry was pretty cool. It was going around all around the world and dubbing new translations of Jesus film. And so I think in that first year, there were about 10 guys like me and we would go out in pairs to different countries. And I went to four different ones that first year took a little bit of time off, got married. And then my wife and I did it again for a second year. And then from that, then it had a little bit more responsibility and started to focus in on a particular part of the world that both my wife and I felt like the Lord had, had moved in our hearts, which was the North African, Middle East and Central Asia region. And incredibly difficult area of the world to preach the gospel. But we felt like, hey, that's part of her history. She grew up as a missionary kid in the country of Jordan. And so we had some of this kind of tie into the region and to the peoples already. And we're just both taken with the culture and the Lord put a heart in us to minister in that part of the world. And so it was my job to make new Jesus films in that region. I think I had about 83 different projects on my portfolio that I was managing at any given time and trying to bring them up to completion. Some of them had been in the works for 10 years because of a civil war here or a refugee situation there. You know, it just takes a long time to find a, a Bible translator who we really need to pull off the Jesus film script. Cause again, it's based off the gospel of Luke. So I learned a ton just in those initial two, three years of what it means to not only create a movie about the life of Jesus that people will use to there, go and show other people to explain who Jesus is, but I learned a lot about partnering with the body of Christ and when you go internationally and you serve in these different spaces, then at least for me, it, it gave me a deep appreciation for the rich traditions that exist in different countries, particularly in the North African Middle East area where there's Coptic Christians, there are Anglican traditions. A lot of the charismatic Baptist traditions have found their way into these different countries through missionary endeavors. And you have to work with them all and you have to be in a common purpose and finding that common thread and working through whatever theological differences you may have at the end of the day, it's about lifting up Jesus. And I think I found it really humbling to be part of a project that could be a catalyst to see cross denomination, cross traditions work together in a way that was collaborative 
and to see spiritual fruit happen. So that's been part of my heart from the beginning because of what I saw the Lord do on the ground in some of the most challenging areas in the world. And through the years, that theme has kind of continued. We moved overseas to be closer to the ground. We have four kids, three of them at the time, and our fourth was born over there. And we moved back. And in between time, technology is just exploding. This is like the early 2000s, right? So the dot-com bust came and went, but then like sure enough, Web 2.0, all this technology and all the networking stuff is just creating exponential growth for media. And the Jesus film was already old at that point. And I think the leadership at that point had to ask a pretty significant question. Are we going to continue to show the Jesus film as it is for the rest of time? And then when people are done with that particular movie, is the ministry of Jesus film project done? And the answer to that, the Lord provided other ideas. And that's when new films started to be created for children, for different audiences, for women, for youth. We have a short film library now. And I think the Lord really started to build off of the foundation of the Jesus film and to grow it into what we have now, which is 200 different films, all of them lifting up Jesus, all of them playing a small part in lifting up Jesus in the spiritual journey of individuals, utilizing technology and getting the gospel to the places where it hasn't gone yet still continues to be like some of those DNA strands that find themselves in new expressions these days. You brought up something that I think is always really encouraging and interesting to me is working with the rest of the body of Christ and just seeing all these different pieces that God has kind of orchestrated to fit together. We've heard from a number of other ministries who have mentioned Jesus film and that they're using the film And I was wondering if you could give a little bit more insight into how you guys work with other organizations. I know there's a whole branch of Bible translation organizations and then many evangelism-focused organizations I'm working on bringing the Word of God to all kinds of people groups. So what does that kind of look like for the role that you guys play and the role that other organizations are playing that you partner with? Yeah, I think partnership with the body of Christ looks like so many different things. You mentioned the Bible translations community and the church planting community. Those two communities, you know, really rely off of each other, but it, it finds its intersection in evangelism. So we partnered with Wycliffe Bible translators, with seed company, with every, with Biblica, with other Bible translation efforts pretty much since the beginning, because we want to be creating a faithful translation of the Jesus film that accurately reflects the word of God in any given people group. And to do that, you need to work with Bible translators, the experts in the field and rely off their translation. So about 20 years ago, different Bible agencies, in particular Wycliffe, came up with this idea called the Luke Project. And at that point, Bible translators would work off of kind of like their own schedule and getting into that schedule was really tough. So we need the Gospel of Luke to be translated so that we could do the Jesus film. And they're like, hey, wait on that after we do Matthew and Mark or several Old Testament things. We'll get back to you in 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
eventually through partnership and through gaining each other's trust, a Luke partnership was formed and Katie Barnwell, who is instrumental at the time from Wycliffe and from Seed Company, really said, hey, we're going to prioritize the Gospel of Luke. Not only that, we're going to prioritize the Jesus film script of Luke so that we'll do Luke next. And it was that reordering of their priority that allowed the Jesus film dubbing and translation effort to go exponential. So I mentioned that we're at 2000. As a result of that decision 20 years ago, we were able to do, instead of you know 50 a year, we were doing 120 Jesus film translations a year. So, you know, doubling in effect. And that's really through partnership. So that's on the Bible translation side. And on the other side, we happened into church planting as a partnership, as a key strategy, because the Jesus film was you know, just an evangelism tool, spread the word of God as far and wide as possible. And kind of like the sowing the seed, wherever the seed falls is was kind of the perspective and the imperative. But we know that when the seed falls on good soil, that it can produce fruit and capturing that fruit were church planters in different regions, different villages who would want to come alongside the Jesus film and start churches and Eventually, those people were the ones showing the Jesus film more than <laughs> more than we were, because there's way more church planters that are out there than our tiny organization, you know, can facilitate. So right now, ninety percent of all the results come from our partners in the church planting world. And one of my buddies who's planting churches in Ethiopia, an Ethiopian national, I asked him, "Why do you use the Jesus film? You could use a lot of different methodologies." And he said, "There's no quicker way." to start a church because every time that we show the Jesus film, a church is started. And I just love that because that's what we exist to do is to help fuel that type of effort. It sounds like Jesus film participates in many aspects of evangelism globally. I'd be curious to hear in your words, what the primary mission of Jesus film is and why do you think film is such an effective tool towards that end? Oh man. Yeah. For us, the mission really hasn't changed. It's about getting the gospel of Jesus to everyone everywhere. And when you have that broad of a scope, it can only be accomplished together. So it's not really even Jesus film's mission. It's just the great commission. I like to say we're a small part of thousands of missionaries and church organizations and individuals, ministry efforts, their evangelism efforts. We play this small role in spiritual formation for so many people. And that's our privileged place to be is to play that role. And the reason why visual media is so important in that is we know visual media communicates story. And in this day and age media, it's just intuitive. We know I was just on a plane, for example, and, and I went to the bathroom and I'm walking past everybody and bumping into them and everybody has their head down. They don't even care that I'm smacking them in the knees or whatever, because <laughs> <laughs> they're watching their iPhone or their tablet and whatever they're watching, they're engaged in. And so I think visual media is so, so engaging and it's a way that stories can come to life, so to speak. And it's really about heart language too. So Visual media, it's the heart language, it's the word. Those are the things that we really kind of keep as part of our DNA as we go after the mission. I'm wondering how you guys kind of track your progress or, you know, how well you are accomplishing what you're setting out to do. 
and I guess part of it is through some of the partners that you've talking about who kind of come in behind and are working to actually plant churches in some of the areas that you guys are working in. But what does that kind of look like as far as, you know, telling what's working and what's not working? Yeah, I think data for us is a really big area that we've invested in and, you know, at a very high level initially, but it's becoming more of a competency or a capability in this digital age. So what I mean by that is that we've always tracked where we've gone, how many people have seen it, how many people have indicated a response. And we, about 20 years ago, started to track how many churches or groups were established as a result of all that. And the way that we do that is by working really closely with the partners that we've cultivated over the years and who have cultivated us. And so a lot of times we don't even have to ask, hey, what happened? They're sending us the reports. And from that, we take that information, we collect it in our data department and then publish it out for everybody else. Because this is like, this is all of our result. It's not just Jesus films. This reflects pretty significant things that the Lord is doing through all of us. So we take it pretty seriously. We have a couple of different methodologies. We have taken different audits across the years to have outside people come in and verify that <laughs> these things are actually happening. So I've seen it with my own eyes, so I don't need to be convinced, but sometimes folks need to know that there's this independent aspect that is happening that, that can demonstrate, yeah, these people are doing the things that they're saying. Do you have any examples that come to mind of, I know you said, seems like every time the Jesus film is shown, a church is planted. Do you have stories that come to mind of these kind of things that might be hard to believe if you didn't see it yourself? Yeah. I mean, I would love to tell you the rest of the time, like every story that I know, <laughs> because I was just talking with a guy right before getting on the podcast with you guys. I was speaking to a seminary that's sending out new pastors and a guy from Ghana came up at the end of me sharing about the Jesus film. And he said, I just have to tell you that I'm from Ghana. I remember as a kid watching the Jesus film, being so convicted about Jesus's lordship for my life, just from watching this movie. But the thing that struck me is that thousands of people from different villages, far-flung villages, would walk, you know, hours and sometimes up to a day to watch this movie. And I was just blown away by that because that shows this draw that is really of the Holy Spirit that would compel people to come watch this movie about Jesus. So that's something I just heard just like literally 20 minutes ago. It's pretty cool. But one of the stories I like to tell is from one of our partners that serves in Germany with refugees. Refugees have been coming into Europe for the last 10 years, pretty significantly from war-torn areas in the Middle East. And so this group is called Elijah 21. And my friend Andreas is a former fighter pilot, and the Lord called him in this really radical way to start a ministry to refugees. And, and Germany has hosted millions of refugees, by far any the greatest number of refugees in Europe. And Elijah 21 was going to different churches, asking them to be involved in caring for refugees, feeding them and giving them some basic needs, going to different government projects where the refugees were being housed from different places, different countries, Afghanistan, Iran, Syria, Turkey. And as they were ministering, they realized that they needed to have a way to clearly communicate the gospel. A lot of times the German church wouldn't be able to speak the Farsi or Turkish or Dari. And so somebody somewhere 
had a bunch of Jesus films left over in a basement. <laughs> so they were like, let's just try this. <laughs> so these guys set up projectors. They got four different projectors going in four different rooms and sent Turks to the Turkish Jesus film showing and Persians to the Farsi one, etc. And I guess because they're German, they push play on all of them at the exact same time. And <laughs> just kind of like let that unfold and just determined to see what would happen. Well, what happened is that hundreds of people from these communities started to come to the Lord, sometimes in the most miraculous ways. One guy wrote me a letter because he knows that I lead the Jesus film ministry and he came to Christ in the Jesus film. He's from Yemen. And through one of these showings that Elijah 21 had, he said that he came to know Jesus. But before he did that, he was being tormented nightly by dreams of what life was like in Yemen. So he was clearly suffering from a lot of mental anguish and had no peace is the way he described it. And when he saw the Jesus film, he said that immediately I had a sense that peace was available through this man, Jesus. So when the invitation came to put my trust in him and to have him be Lord, I said, yes. And that very night I had no more nightmares. Not only that, my kids didn't either. And so I want to be baptized. And then he sent me this picture with a thank you note to say, thank you for creating the Jesus film. Now I didn't create the Jesus film, but I get to tell the story now of this man who experienced peace for the first time in his life because of Jesus. And I think there's a lot of other stories of like miracles taking place, but I think it's a miracle. Every time somebody enters into the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness, wherever you are, you can be right here in America and be consumed by consumerism. And exiting that into Jesus's kingdom is just as worthy of a hallelujah. So I love stories like that because God is doing something to free people. Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things about what you guys are doing is just the universality of it. And the fact that people can be experiencing, you know, all kinds of trauma in all kinds of different cultures. And that same piece is available through Christ that he, he really did come to save every people, tribe, nation, and tongue. And just the way that you guys are doing ministry in reaching so many different cultures and basically sharing a universal message, you guys really get to see that up close and personal about just how universal Christ is and the freedom and peace and salvation he offers. I was interested in the story that you were sharing about the thousands of people coming from all the surrounding areas to see the showing. So what does it look like in one of those events? Maybe you could walk us through, you know, how people are hearing about it in the first place, all the way up to like when the teams arrive, what they're kind of doing when they get there, and then up through the actual showing and afterwards, just kind of from beginning to finish what that process looks like. Yeah, for sure. What I'm going to describe is kind of like a typical strategy for going to the uttermost region. So we have a two-pronged strategy because the world is, you know, it needs both a strategy for every tribe and a strategy for every touchscreen. So we've kind of <laughs> yeah. developed these two different approaches, one for the digital world and one for the far-flung places. So what that looks like in the far-flung or in our every tribe strategy is that oftentimes a church planting team will want to go to, 
you know, a geographically remote place or a people group that has not heard before. So I was in Ethiopia, as I mentioned, with one of my buddies who's planted churches, and we went to the Dasanach people group. Now, the Dasanach are a tribe on the southern border of Ethiopia. To get to them, you have to take a flight, then you have to take two buses, and it takes like two days just to get there. And it's a real remote place. Most of the people there didn't have any clothes on. And they're a warrior tribe. They're really known as fierce people. And despite how far off they were, there's a church that was about 25 to 50 miles away, been there for about 50 years, and another church that was in that same area. These two churches had kind of grown up side by side over five decades and not really working together at all, if you can imagine. So the Jesus film was dubbed into the Dasanash language around that time. And both churches wanted to be a part of that. And they got a vision for reaching the Dasanach, not for starting one of their churches with the Dasanach, but doing whatever it takes to reach the Dasanach and doing that together. So a church planting team from outside the region helped to get that process started where they would show the Jesus film. They agreed to do it on a couple of different nights. And then whatever fruit came from that, then those churches would be responsible to do the follow-up and the, actually see multiplication. And there would be some support from outside church planting groups to come in as well and to provide that to continue the extending work. So the night that we showed the Jesus film with the Dasanach, we went beforehand. A team went and worked out the arrangement with the local elder to make sure it was all cool. (laughs) And we got permission, set up the screen. And at that point, like everybody in the whole village is crowding around the screen because it's such a unique phenomenon. You know, what's this thing that we're about to see? And they understand what movies are, but they've never seen something come to them. And so the screen is starting to go up. It's this massive thing. It's about 10 feet by 10 feet. And it stands in the middle of the village square and the projector is a digital projector that runs off of a DVD. And as the sun goes down and the lights come up and the people start to kind of gather around, the only light for, you know, 20 miles is this projector and it's showing the Jesus film. And about a thousand people gathered around both sides of the screen and stood pretty much the entire time watching the story of Jesus unfold in their own language. And you could have heard a pin drop in that entire village because they were transfixed by what they were seeing. So the story of Jesus starts to play out and people are smiling when Jesus is going through his ministry. But when he's crucified, that's when the visceral response started to come from, you could hear murmur of like injustice that is being taking place. And so you could see that people are tracking with this. And when Jesus came back to life, there's like this roar from the crowd of just anticipation. Oh wait, that wasn't the end of the story that Jesus lives. And so the movie ends and there's a local preacher there. And I just love it because he explains it in further detail. And he says, if anybody would like to, know more about Jesus and would like right now, this very night to follow this man that you saw live, die and was resurrected. This is a true story. And we're here to share this with you. If anybody would like to follow Jesus, then 
raise your hand and we'll take your name and we'll come back tomorrow. We'll start a group. And about 83 people that night indicated that very night. And sure enough, they took the names as best as they could. And the team went back that next day and started a follow-up session. So that's when I asked my friends, like, why do you show the Jesus film? He's like, it was because of this, because every time that we show it, a church gets planted and even in remote places like the Dasanach. Those kind of stories just, they never get old. It just really demonstrates the incredible power that Christ has. And I mean, the story is not just a good story. It's a story that changes lives and transforms people. And it's really, really incredible that you have that insider look on that and get to work in that, you know, for a living. I am curious on the follow-up part, you said that the neighboring churches would start a group the next day in that scenario. Do you have involvement in the ongoing discipleship of people who might see Jesus film? Maybe a church is planted. Do you move on to the next village at that point, or do you remain in contact with that people group? Yeah, it kind of depends on the circumstance or on the partner that we work with. Our unique role in all this is to lift up Jesus really clearly. And like I said, to be a small part in in a lot of people's ministry. And at the point where churches start to form, that's where the baton gets handed off to people who are actually going to carry through the long-term spiritual formation. And the way that we resource them further is can oftentimes be with discipleship series and films that we've produced over the years. We've created one just for an African context called Walking with Jesus Africa. And that really helps to kind of like deepen the knowledge and deepen the experience. So we really kind of stay in our media lane of lifting up Jesus through visual media. But we also have this ethical and moral imperative to ensure that there is follow-up. You know, the journey never stops once the film stops. The journey is just getting started. So we have to go with people who are committed to going on the rest of the journey. Yeah, and that's obviously why partnership is so critical to everything that you guys are doing. So you have a really unique perspective in your role, specifically with Jesus Film, because I think you guys interact with so much of the ministry landscape across the world. And I'm interested in your perspective on where you see kind of the biggest gaps across the world, where as a global church, not just Jesus film, but all of us are the biggest barriers to really seeing the great commission completed. And what is it going to take to get through some of those barriers? Yeah, I think that's a great two-part question. Like where are the gaps and what's it going to take to go there? So we'd been looking at research with Joshua Project, which is a really phenomenal resource for anybody who's on mission to understand where people have never heard about Jesus. And so they've looked at unreached people groups. They've looked at unreached and unengaged people groups. These are kind of like mission terminology, but they really have narrowed it down to frontier people groups, billions of people, two billion people who have never heard of Jesus before. And so that's one frontier. That's one gap that exists pretty much all over the world, different people groups who have never, ever heard. And so we're on mission with them and with anybody that wants to go. And with the way the data is and mapping is evolving, it's very, very clear where those missional gaps lie. So that's one. From a macro standpoint, 
if you just look at people who don't follow Jesus in the world, and there's 8 billion people, 2 billion people that follow Jesus in some way, shape, or form, and that leaves 6 billion, there's 75% of those 6 billion live in just 12 countries. 75% of unreached people live in 12 countries. And those countries would not surprise you if I were to list them all out. These have been the missional frontier for millennia. And so the question I have to ask is, if the map has remained the same really for roughly 2,000 years where the church needs to go, why hasn't it? And I think these are the type of things that the Lord stirs up, not just in me, but in lots of other folks that are asking that exact question. Why hasn't the church yet gone And the Spirit of the Lord seems to be moving in such a way to bring about collaboration at a radical level, where churches, organizations are throwing everything into the middle of the table and saying, we're all in to go everywhere to everyone. And it doesn't matter who goes, let's just make sure that we do. And I'm so excited to live in this day and age of that type of radical commitment, collaboration, and we'll just see what the Lord does in our generation. But that's one of the things that I've been involved in, thankfully, throughout the years is something called finishing the task that that really is looking at getting a Bible for every person, a church for every person, evangelism for every person, and prayer for every person on earth. Those four things are like at the heart of collaboration. Those efforts need each other, and that's where the mission community has thrown up some silos over the years that are coming down. And so it's pretty exciting to be in the middle of that. It's really fun to hear about the collaboration that's occurring on a global scale. And I come from the business world where you can be friendly with other companies and firms and practices, but at the heart of it, you're really competing for some of the same resources or clients or whatever it might be. But that doesn't seem to be the case in your world, at least from what we've been hearing over the last couple of years, everyone's just kind of saying, hey, we're all on the same team. We all have the same mission when it really comes down to it. How can we work together to accelerate this process? And we've talked a lot about partnerships here on this episode. I did want to ask about one in particular. You and I got connected through ROI Ministry. You're on the top 10 list as a Jesus film. And we've really learned a lot through exploring that avenue of ministries that are stewarding donated dollars really well. And clearly, Jesus Film has been doing that. But we also noticed Jesus Film Harvest Partners on that list. And I'm curious if you could elaborate on what your relationship is with that organization. Yeah, for sure. Jesus Film Harvest Partners and Jesus Film Project have, we really are very similar. Jesus Film Harvest Partners is a denomination of the Nazarenes, and these guys go after it. And they see churches planted. And about 20 years ago, that partnership was birthed of the Nazarenes wanted to equip their missionary efforts all around the world. And they needed, you know, these 16 millimeter projectors to get stuff done. So they struck a deal with Jesus Film to get the projectors. We would provide them with that and, you know, accelerate their efforts. And that became like this really tight partnership that's persisted for 20 years. And, you know, at one point, as I stepped into this role, I think our legal office asked us, you know, hey, should we be concerned that there's this other organization out there that sounds a lot like Jesus Film Project? And I think, you know, that was a really fun thing to say, no, we should not be concerned. These people are doing amazing. Take everything, including our name, if it helps. 
So that's been kind of the perspective that has been a part of Jesus film and Campus Crusade for Christ from the beginning is to have that perspective of generosity that everything that we have is a result of someone else being generous to us and the Lord being generous to all of us. And you can't out generosity the Lord. He's going to continue to be generous to us. Yep. That's definitely been a theme of this podcast. So obviously you guys have gone through so much in walking with the Lord through everything he's done through the Jesus film project over the decades. What are you excited for on the horizon? You know, what do you see coming down the line for the Jesus film project and also for kind of the global church as a whole, from your perspective in leadership with Jesus film and with finishing the task, I know, and kind of seeing the bigger picture of what's going on across the world. Yeah, I think for Jesus Film Project, we still have this unique role to play of providing Jesus-centered media that really is a part of multiplying efforts for church planters or people who want to share the gospel and multiply. So that's where we'll continue to serve in our niche. But what the Lord has added to all of that over the four decades of our existence has been kind of like heaping generosity upon generosity. The more that we give away, the more that he continues to give us to steward. And we get to be a catalyst for partnership a lot of times. And so that's a privileged place to be. I love this area that we get to be a part of, which is, you know, collaboration and asking ourselves, okay, when I say ourselves, like all these different mission organizations and groups and denominations, asking ourselves, okay, where is the task and, and what will it take to get us there? And why haven't we gotten there up until now? That leads to some very fruitful, creative ideas. And the technology that the Lord is bringing to bear during these times is incredible. We're living in this exponential growth curve for technology. My friends at the Bible translation community are using artificial intelligence to do Bible translation. We're using artificial intelligence to match up visual communications. Our friends in the deaf community are creating a Jesus film signed by deaf actors. These things are, you know, even 10 years ago would have been hard to fathom, but because of the digital age that we live in, the Lord's giving us a lot more resources. So to answer your question even more succinctly, Jesus film is going to continue to provide new media that lifts up Jesus. And from a finishing the task standpoint, I think all of us have this, imperative to go to everyone everywhere and ask ourselves some pretty hard questions that will lead to action. Yeah, kind of on that same topic, and we were talking a little bit before we hit record here. I'm just, I get really encouraged when I hear stories of ways that ministries have been able to adapt or break through or make some kind of unforeseen progress throughout the last couple of years that have been so tumultuous and uncertain and really devastating for a lot of people. Have you seen God use the last couple of years in any unexpected ways that have, you know, maybe implications for future progress? Yeah, it's been a couple of years that feel like a couple of decades, I'm sure we could <laughs> all say, right? So I think early on, we're hammering the pivot towards innovating, you know, out of our existing processes into something new. And we, as leaders in the ministry, we were looking for all kinds of ways to do evangelism in virtual environments. We were looking for ways to do Jesus film translations in virtual environments. And we were able to do those things and also see other organizations do that as well. And 
just real specifically during 2020, we had a continental wide outreach throughout Africa. Actually, it wasn't us. We were partnering with a host of other churches and organizations run by the local expression of Campus Crusade there. And they showed the Jesus film online. They showed the Jesus film and all of our other 200 other movies digitally. They showed it on television and satellite broadcasts. But what they did most effectively was mobilize 40,000 volunteers to be WhatsApp missionaries. And so essentially they had to pivot really quickly within the span of months to figure out how do you do follow-up in this virtual environment and use the existing tools that were given. So they used WhatsApp and anytime that the Jesus film was shown or any of our other films, there was a WhatsApp number that you could connect instantly with. And this 40,000 strong volunteer army had a hundred thousand people that they were ministering to on a weekly basis wow. as a result of that. And so millions of people, I think close to 4 million people had heard the gospel and they're still seeing all the groups that had transformed had come out of that time, including starting digital churches. And that initial effort begat other innovation and other creative ways to push forward. And the key questions that we're asking ourselves now, two years later is, is a digital church expression valid? And a lot of people are asking that. And I think the answer is yes, in some cases, and yes, in other cases, maybe not for everybody. But going down that road of innovation leads to other questions. And it's kind of a fun path to be a part of anytime that you're in the media space. And then I would also say is like on the media creation side of things, we got into animation about six or seven years ago. And during 2020, like animation studios started to really take off because of just that format. And so we're looking forward to seeing even more products and more ways to lift up Jesus in animated versions because it's the format for the times. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, as we're getting towards the end of the show here, I did want to leave a second for our manager minute. You know, as we all seek to manage God's wealth wisely, we like to end every episode with one practical action our listeners can take to do just that. So Josh, do you have a quick suggestion for how people can be using any financial margin they have to serve their communities, advance the gospel and build God's kingdom? Yeah, I think, you know, any of the stories that you heard started with the generosity of patrons. So the stories just are multiplied there because it has to start somewhere in the hearts of people who give. And a couple quick ways that you can get involved with Jesus Fund Project is to give generously. And what enables us to be freely giving of all these resources are the faithfulness of financial partners around the world. And and so you can go to jesusfilm.org, give, and sponsor a Jesus Film Translation or sponsor ways for people to hear about Jesus that have never heard before. But I also like to think about stewarding our time and talent in addition to the treasure. I'm sure you guys do as well. And I'd be remiss if I didn't just mention that we have a Jesus Film app that allows you to have 2,000 languages in your pocket. At any moment, you can be a cross-cultural ministry in an Uber or Lyft or at the airport or even in your community. The world is coming to us here in the United States. You no longer need a passport to be a cross-cultural ministry. And if you find yourself in need of a cross-cultural tool, you could do a lot worse than having something that lifts up Jesus in someone's heart language. Absolutely. 
Well, Josh, this has been fantastic conversation. We're so glad to have you here with us to share your really high level perspective on what's going on in the church around the world and specifically what's going on with Jesus film. So thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, what a privilege for me, guys. Uh, thanks, Keelan. Thanks, Cody. Good to be with you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we would love to hear from you. And now I have a quick question for you. Do you know anyone who is living a life filled with generosity, purpose, and mission? If so, we would love to talk to them. They don't need to have a financial finish line, and they don't have to have all the answers. They just need a heart to steward God's wealth to the best of their ability. If you know someone like that, we would be honored if you would connect us. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. Finally, if you want to find any references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode 45. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time.